All right, welcome back to Lindroth Hockey Podcast. We are in partnership with Black and Gold Hockey Productions. You're here with co-host, father and son duo, Andrew and Jim Lindroth. Dad, how are you doing today? Doing great. Let's get right to the intro. We have a special guest. We're actually going to make history on Lindroth Hockey Podcast here today. Yes, because it's a, it's a first for us. We're going to have our first female hockey player on the show, and not only first female hockey player, but women's hockey champion as well, Kaylee Fracken. Yeah. So Kaylee's accomplishments start in her U18 days when she represented Canada and winning a silver medal in the world tournament. She later committed to Boston University where she played and studied from 2010 to 2014 and then later began her first pro hockey season in the CWHL for the Boston Blades and eventually they went on to win the championship that year. After her season with the Boston Blades, she transferred to the Connecticut Wales and the NWHL and for the New York River Tears the following season. But since 2017, Kaylee joined and has been a part of the Boston Pride team where she has been tearing it up, not only personally in her career, but also they did win the championship the previous season. So I know that was long winded, Kaylee, but thank you for joining us today. Kaylee Fracken, how are you doing today? Good. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yes. Um, so let's start yeah. back from the beginning. Yeah. Well, let me ask this. Yeah. So um, um, Fracken might be for our listeners, uh, you know, a, a name. And this is... Uh, her brother is Casey, mm -hmm. who's, you know, still back over in uh, in Germany, uh, an assistant coach there. So I just wanted to kind of bring that up since somebody might recognize the last name. Well, so, and Casey, anyway. too, after our interview had said, you know, I'm not going to lie, guys. I thought you were trying to reach out to my sister. Yeah, not he me. actually did say that. Yeah, he, he said, thought we were trying to reach out to you. Yeah, he did <laughs> say that. You're right. He yeah. was like, are you sure you want me to come on the podcast and not my <laughs> sister? And we we're like, no, we want you to come on. <laughs> so, yeah, good times. Anyway. <laughs> Okay, go ahead, Andrew. So, yeah, starting back at the U18 days, how did you uh, get involved with Team Canada, try out for the team, make it kind of what's what's the story on the buildup of that? Yeah, I had a little bit of a untraditional uh, path um, when it came to to growing up playing um, in British Columbia. I played boys hockey just because there wasn't many girls programs growing up. And so um, a lot of the other girls that were kind of noticed by Hockey Canada, started off playing for their provincial programs, but I was still so young at the time. I was like a double underage for this, that first ever uh, under 18 team. So I was really 14 turning 15 when I got noticed by them um, because I was fortunate enough to play for Team British Columbia. So while I played boys club hockey, I represented Team BC um, at the U18 um, and I went to Canada Winter Games. So that's where kind of I first got scouted, so to speak, um, at a really young age. And then they decided uh, for the first time ever they were going to have an inaugural U18 team that would eventually then participate in the under 18 uh, world championships. Um, which I was fortunate to play the, the following year. So having the opportunity to play on a world stage at that age, what did that do for your game, your confidence as a player? It really kind of gave me that first um, exposure to kind of really the grand scale of, you know, maybe one day playing for an Olympics or what it really meant to kind of represent your country. And you were really playing with the best or you were playing with and against the best of the best in the world. Um, so that was really eye opening. Um, and, and again, like I said, I was much younger than a lot of the players. So for me, it kind of um, really gave me that drive and motivation to, to really take hockey seriously. Uh, I grew up in a hockey family. Like, you know, you had Casey on and we have another brother, Jesse, and, um, I always saw what they were doing, but, um, I never really saw it on the women's side just because, 
Um, you know, I was playing boys. So uh, it really helped kind of propel me um, into kind of the next tier of where I really wanted to go with hockey. Um, you know, then I thought it was going to be like this NHL version. I, I was kind of under the impression that there was a lot more out there for, for girls than there really was. And so, um, you know, that's a whole nother conversation in itself, which I'm sure we'll get to later. But yeah, it definitely was an eye-opening experience. What were some things that surprise you when you're playing against other um, athletes from around the world, even at that age, what, what were some things that might've been surprising to you? Yeah. The skill level, um, you know, the depth of, of how good these players were from top to bottom in all different countries. You're playing in Sweden, Finland, Russia, Germany, uh, just to see how many players out there were playing uh, at that age. And that were, you know, very competitive and really, really good hockey players. So, um, yeah, just the overall skill level and speed, you know, decision-making with the puck and, and those little nitty gritty kind of things that, um, you know, you definitely took notice from players that were, uh, Sweden plays a certain style of play. You know, I were used to North American hockey, which, um, you know, has a particular style in itself. So, um, I really took notice of, uh, just how the Europeans really played hockey, which was this really like skilled, you know, puck moving style of play. Well, and although, silver medalist. I mean, that's still at a young age, had to feel good for you and even for, you know, just representing uh, your country and bringing home that medal. What, what was that like, especially when you said at a young age, like my father said, building that confidence, that'd be huge for you, especially as a player. I mean, you also had a great run with the team as well during that time. Yeah, it was, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to, to kind of start at that young age. So it, it really gave me kind of like you guys have mentioned, it, it did give you that confidence to, to say, you know, I have the capability of taking hockey somewhere. And it was something that, you know, my, my parents, I, and my brothers were, were always good, supportive, um, you know, family members and my teammates within my family, I call them. And they, they were really supportive and just instilling kind of that confidence in me. But, you know, when you are playing at that level and, you know, you're able to, to be successful there, it, you know, it, it comes with a little bit more, um, you know, you, you start to see the confidence kind of exude as well. So. So you uh, go to Boston university, so you don't have to mention any universities if you don't want to, but kind of go through the process. I'm sure you had, uh, plenty of colleges recruiting you. Uh, what was that experience like? And what was it like to finally commit to BU, which is, you know, I mean, under the great, you know, Brian DeRoker, I mean, what a, what a great team, what a great opportunity. Yeah, my, um, my college recruiting process was interesting. Um, I actually committed far later than um, really a majority of the people in my, my class. Um, I ended up committing to BU. It was May of my senior year of high school. So just at the end of my senior year of high school, uh, where, um, I was between two schools. I was between, um, BU and Harvard. And those were kind of my two schools. Harvard was my, actually my number one choice. Um, and I sat in the admissions process for a very long time. Long story short, um, I ended up, uh, you know, not taking a gap year in between. That kind of was was really my option. I decided I, you know, wasn't very common back then. So uh, far different now. You know, if I had that choice again, I probably <laughs> would have chosen the gap year. Maybe, uh, maybe not, because my experience at BU is unbelievable. But. Um, Anyway, so I ended up going to BU committing. Uh, I just remember calling Brian. 
I had left class and was like, you know what, I'm, I'm coming to BU. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I went on a bunch of visits. I saw a lot of schools in the Midwest and, um, you know, some big schools some small schools and, um, BU kind of hit that nice sweet spot. I grew up in a city. So, um, you know, Boston being in a city or BU being in a city itself, um, I felt like really at home and the size of the school was great. And then obviously the hockey program was um, just kind of up on the rise. It, it was a newer D1 program at the time. And, um, and then, you know, the educational component speaks for itself. So um, yeah, just, just worked out nicely. Yeah. And you had a, I mean, obviously a career too. I mean, you were not only a defender, but you scored 66 points as a defender in 151 games. That was impressive as well. So what changed, though, in your playing style or how you played in your position um, in college? Did that change at all, or did you work on what kind of your playing style already was in your U18 days? I don't know if I'm asking that question correctly, but um, what kind of changed there? Um, yeah, it, well, for me, my really outside of playing kind of uh, like – some of the team, team Canada and, uh, U18, like team BC stuff. I, I was playing boys hockey. I was playing full contact. I played up until, you know, midget triple a boys hockey, uh, full contact hitting. I played junior B hockey. So I really developed my entire game for, you know, 18 some odd years of playing physical hockey. I mean, that was for me, it was hitting, making contact. It was very much the men's style of game. And so when I got to college, I'll never forget my first college game. I had like three or four penalties because I had absolutely, you know, it was just so like, yeah, playing at a, you know, at, at a level where, you know, team Canada, we were playing like three games in a tournament or four games in a tournament, you know, it's not, you know, really enough, but, um, to, to, I guess, really kind of change those habits. Um, so I got into my first game and I remember sitting in the box after like my third penalty and Brian comes over. He's like, I can't have you in the box. Like we need you out on the ice. Like I can't continue to have you in the box. And I was like, I was a like, coach. Like, I, I'm sorry. Like it wasn't, it's not this, you know, it wasn't on purpose. It was just, you know, some of these habits that I had for so long. So, um, I, I say that because I think, you know, my freshman and sophomore year really took me some time to kind of adapt to the pace of the game, adapt to kind of just the style of, of you know, women's hockey in general. And it, it really was an adjustment. Um, and it, you know, I really have to say it's taken me really up until I started playing in the NWHL or, you know, now called the PHF, like where I felt like my game just has just completely developed and drastically changed in the women's game. Um, so yeah, I think college, you'll start to see like my junior and senior year were a lot more explosive years because I kind of started to find my knack in that style of hockey. Well, and I guess it's worth mentioning or asking this question, you know, since, you know, you had to compete with, with males, which I'm, I'm assuming, uh, based on what you're telling me, you know, a little bit rougher, uh, but yet you grew up in a hockey household. Like, you, like you said, you've got your dad that played, you had your brothers that played. So, um, is that kind of how you developed that sort of uh, hard nosed old school hockey? Like, yeah. did the brothers kind of did the brothers throw you around a little bit? I mean, I'm yeah, sure dad well, and mom weren't like take it easy on us. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know, you're the only girl, um, and you're the youngest, and uh, you know, my brothers played, and all their friends would come over and play, and I wanted to be a part of the group, and the only way to be a part of the group when you're 
you know, significantly younger is you gotta, gotta be good enough and you gotta be strong enough and fast enough to play. And my brothers were like, you know, we're not going to take it easy on you. So if you can compete with us, come and play. If you can't compete, we'll leave you in the, leave you in the dust. And that was kind of the attitude that I just grew up with, like kind of this chip on my shoulder where it was the same thing when playing boys, I was not a big defenseman whatsoever. I was always the smallest on my team, um, you know, in height and in stature, I was always the smallest one, but um, you know, I leaned on my skating and I leaned on just um, my defensive kind of strategic tactics and, you know, how I would go into the corner with someone would be far different than someone that was bigger and stronger than I, because they would go, I had to make contact first in order to stand a chance in the corner with anyone. I had to establish contact with them before even getting to the puck where I'd get crushed. So there was just certain things that I kind of learned and grasped and felt that that became a strong suit in the men's game. And then when you get to the women's game, it's far different because I'm not the smallest one in the women's game. It's like, you know, you're one of the bigger in stature. And um, so that was kind of very, very different uh, for me, but yeah, my brothers, uh, my brothers didn't make it easy on me. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah. So, and if I, if the story's wrong, please correct us, but your first um, NCAA goal uh, almost uh, 11 years ago, not to make you feel old, is, is just what the stat sheet says. And uh, interesting, so it's uh, February 11th, 2011, and uh, against Northeastern, the, the Huskies. But is it true that uh, for your first goal, you actually played forward? Yeah. Brian, yeah. Moved, Brian moved you up. Yeah, so- we, had a, uh, we had a forward that got um, injured, uh, a season-ending injury, tore ACL. And so we needed a defenseman to go play forward. So he was like, go play with Jennifer Wakefield and Jillian Kirchner, who, um, you know, Wakefield is a, is like a two, three time Canadian Olympian, two time Olympian. Um, and Kirchner scored, you know, about over a hundred points, um, in her college career. So I was playing with two very veteran players as, you know, a freshman and I got bounced up to their line, played, you know, a handful of games and scored my first goal as a forward. <laughs> so can you bring us through the first goal? Is it a highlight goal or is it just a chip in or a cheap goal or what? Yeah, I think I was honestly surprised that it even went in. Um, it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't, uh, wasn't a high re- highlight reel by any means. So um, let's just say I was the, uh, the grinder to their, to their uh, skilled line. <laughs> awesome. So after your great college career and everything you went on to be at the time, the league was called the CWHL. Um, you ended up getting drafted and we always like to ask any of our guests that have been drafted uh, in pro hockey, um, their draft story. Uh, what was your draft story? Is it much different? I'm sure it's probably the same. I mean, bring us through it. Yeah, it was interesting. Cause um, I knew I wanted to stay in Boston cause I was going to pursue my master's degree at Northeastern And, um, but I wasn't sure being Canadian, if I would get drafted and you kind of had an inclination, uh, beforehand where you may be going like, like other players that are getting drafted. And so, um, I just remember kind of the day of going through of when I was getting drafted. Um, and the, the rounds were pretty small just because there was only, um, five teams in the league. So the rounds go pretty quickly and there's not that many picks. So you didn't really know if you're going to be drafted or not. So, um, I was fortunate enough, Boston, um, drafted me and, uh, that team that we had that when we eventually won the Clarkson cup was, um, an absolutely stacked powerhouse team of many, many Olympians. So, 
Um, it was ended up being a, being a great season, you know, first, first year in the league and, um, and then eventually winning a cup. So it was pretty nice. I was about to say, so I, I would assume at this point, you're what 22 when you win that championship. So you won the silver medal U18, you had a wonderful college career, and then you win the championship. So after that first pro season, you had to be feeling pretty good about yourself, right? I mean, pretty good about the future and you definitely know what it's like to be a champion. Did that also help your confidence in game or were you just at a point now where once you won the championship, it was just another uh, thing to do. And this is, you're now in pro hockey and it's now your job. What was kind of your mindset after that? Yeah, it was, um, it was such an interesting time for me uh, personally, because I had just played that season was, was kind of a whirlwind and um I had just uh, played with the U22 team in Nations Cup um, in Germany with Team Canada. Uh, we had won gold there. Um, and then I, right right after that, sorry, that was in January, February. And then right after that, I went and played in the Clarkson Cup final. We won the cup. So you're running on two highs of two championships and you're like, this is pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, and then couple weeks later, they were making cuts for kind of the next group for centralization for uh, team Canada. And I got a call from, from a hockey Canada saying that I was released from the program at that point. So you go from the stuff that you're talking about being on this high, having great confidence, you just win two championships. And, you know, you think you're playing the you know best hockey that you could be playing and having a great college season too. I was, you know, we won hockey East as well. So I won like three championships in that, you know, in that season, in that year. And so you're on this like huge high of all the stuff that's going on for you individually and as well as your team and finishing out your college years. Um, and then you get a phone call like that and that's just absolutely heartbreaking. So my confidence went from here to here and, uh, quite frankly, thought I was quitting hockey, thought I was done with hockey because, um, I was like, you know what, what else do I do now? Like, what's the next step for me? Um, where do I play hockey? Do I continue to play in this league? Um, and so that started a whole new chapter for me. So yeah, I, I really went from this huge high to, to completely think I was going to be shutting it down and never playing again. So then what, what happened mentally to switch you around then? Cause that had to be a pretty big, um, change for you to suddenly go, you know what, I can do this again. Cause you were also, like you said, getting your master's degree at the time. So I'm sure when you're having this thought that you know, you're probably telling yourself, you know, I could do other things. I have an education, other options, but clearly the love of the game and your talent kept you in it. So what, what mentally kept you in it? Yeah, I had heard. So I just had that phone call with, with hockey Canada and I was trying to, you know, decide, do I just finish out uh, my master's and, and then call it a day and, and find a job. And I, I didn't know what I wanted to do, you know, didn't know if I wanted to go into college coaching, had, had no idea. I had all these different thoughts of what I wanted to do. Um, and then I remember, uh, happened to be talking to my current roommate at the time, who was also a teammate of mine at BU. And um, we had heard rumblings about this national women's hockey league starting and how they were going to pay players. And um, you know, it was going to be a four team league. They were going to have a team in Boston, Connecticut, uh, New York, and, uh, and Buffalo. That's the way it was going to be. So we were like, heard it, like, it was like, and then I got an email saying, Hey, you know, this league starting, we're going to have like a free agency camp. And, you know, do you want to come to a free agency camp? And so my roommate and I were, you know, she was Boston bred, grew up in Waltham, like has never left Boston and was like, 
Uh, I had said to her, I said, you know, I don't know if we'll have space on a team in Boston because they're going to be stacked. I knew it was going to be majority of my CWHL team. And I had said, you know, like, why don't we go play for Connecticut? It's not far Southern Connecticut. We're going to be in Stanford. Let's go there. And let's just go to the free agency camp and, and see if, uh, see how it is. So sure enough, we went down to Connecticut for the weekend and, um, we went to the free agency camp. And after that, you know, both of us were offered contracts and we're like, we had been roommates for four years at college. So we were very good friends, best friend. And we were like, are we going to do this? She's like, I've never moved away from new, like from, from Massachusetts ever. I'm like, yeah, exactly. Connecticut, yeah. Of all places, you know, it's like next door. And she's yeah. like, I don't know. I've, I've never moved. And you know, her parents are Boston, you know, Boston bred. And they're like, you're leaving us. What are you doing? Like, you know, like just, I'm like, you're coming to Connecticut. Let's go long story short. She now lives in Connecticut has never left at that point, but, um, it was so funny. So we ended up going down together and, uh, we, we played for the whale and, uh, and that's how that all started. Yeah. So just for our listeners. And, and again, if I get the sort of the short history wrong, please correct me, but, uh, uh, women start getting the chance to play pros, Andrew, uh, in the Canadian women's hockey league. I think in the, somewhere in the two thousands, it was started. And, uh, and again, you played with, uh, even though it's Canadian league, you played for Boston. There was uh, Boston was part of that league. And at the same time, or in 2015 or something like that, the NWHL, which is now that PHF starts up and, uh, Canadian league, I think had to kind of dissolve and Toronto. And I thought Montreal was going to join. Uh, I don't think Montreal did. Cause I don't, they're not a team at the right. moment. Maybe they will join later, but that's how uh, Toronto got in there. And like she said, you have, uh, you know, six teams, Buffalo, uh, Boston, Connecticut, New Jersey, Minnesota, and Toronto um, in the current league now. So um, now it's just the PHF, the Canadian league didn't, uh, didn't, didn't make it. So, first of all, did I get that short history right? Yeah, yeah. The um, CWHL ended up folding um, a couple years after the NWHL was was around. And then the NWHL just rebranded itself as of last year to the Premier Hockey Federation. And there's six teams and there's two more expansion teams coming out in next season. So there'll be eight teams next year. What, what are the two teams coming in? I, I, I did not catch uh, Montreal is Montreal is one expansion that they announced. And then they haven't announced the uh, U.S. based team, but um, they have said that it's um, a U.S. based team. So we'll probably find that out in the next uh, month or so. So 2015, 16, you're you're now in the uh, W uh, NWHL. And you, again, you're with the Wales. Uh, you've got 18 games, uh, 17 points, like five goals, 12 assists. Um, I think you're were the highest defender points of this for the team, but uh, I'm noticing 40 penalty minutes. You're also the she never team. stopped gooning it up. Yeah, well, so it was the most penalty minutes by far on the team. Yeah. So again, you mentioned. I mean, you can score, you can assist, but you're also a goon. I guess is that. <laughs> yeah, you know, I like those. Uh... Gordy Howe hat tricks, I guess, you know. Oh, yes. <laughs> like the so video coach never took that out of you then. Huh? <laughs> no, no, you know what? It's it's always been there. It's just a little bit more tamed than it used to be. But uh, yeah, no, I that will always be such a huge part of my game. So it's one of those things that you, I think coaches now, every coach in this league knows that if they're going to get me on their team, it's going to, 
you know, there's the, the pros, but then there's also the cons to it. So I'm, I'm hoping that that just shows that I, you know, I'm a competitor and I, uh, I like to try and be a complete defenseman. So, so how do you negotiate that with the coach (laughs) when I'm negotiating my contract? Um, (laughs) No, not, not the contract, but like negotiating of saying, Hey, we need you to produce points. You can certainly do that, but you got, like you said, you got to stay out of the box. I mean, how do you like, you know, coach, I got to play my game, but I mean, how do you, how do you negotiate that with a coach? Uh, well, I mean, a lot of, a lot of the penalties are, you know, now are just, I don't know. It's there's inconsistency. It's, it's hard, you know, when there's not like full complete body checking, it, it's really, it's hard. Like I think any ref would probably tell you that too. It's really hard to, to be consistent as a whole. Not, I'm not trying to use that as an excuse by any means, but cause I definitely do, do uh, give my fair share of, of dropping the shoulder and some, some things that I probably shouldn't do, but um, I think I've reeled it in uh, far, far more than I did in that, that first season. So yeah. the PIMS are far less these days. <laughs> so you, um, you signed with Boston and, and I'm assuming again, uh, and you know, we should, if you, if you, if you don't know, we are uh, sort of a Boston paced podcast, even though we're in Tulsa, Oklahoma, by the way. Yeah. But I'm originally from the North Shore area, Boston, and Andrew, that's sort of his second home. Uh, so we can understand why you'd want to be in Boston, because it's a great city. But we're right. assuming <laughs> that, Andrew. Um, but when you go to Boston uh, for the second time here, uh, team kind of sucked. Oh, yeah. So yeah. you go from that team of not really doing well to you just won the, uh, the, the, the cup. So kind of bring us through. You go from the rag, I, I won't say ragtag team, but go from a team that wasn't succeeding to being the champs and really dominating this league. So what happened? Yeah, we, uh, the year where I joined them, uh, we won four games all year. So um, that was, you know, it's very foreign for any time that any Boston, you know, women's team, you know, they won the first year of the NWHL. They won, they won the uh, Isabel Cup, and the the year after, they were in the Isabel Cup final and, and had lost, thinking they had lost in the final too. So, um, you know, that third season when I had come back, you, you know, I had thought, hey, I'm going to be joining again another winning culture, winning team, and um, you know, city of Boston, where the champs are, and come back and you win four games, and you're like, what the you know what, (laughs) you're like, okay, this is interesting. Um, you know, but it it was, we had just, it was a total rebuild and it took us, you know, the last three, four seasons to, to really rebuild and change the culture. And there's only two of us that uh, remain from that team, um, from that team in year three. Um, so Jillian Dempsey and myself, um, have been around, you know, the longest we've both been in the league since the beginning. And, um, you know, I remember coming out of that off season, uh, we had just got a new coach. So Paul Mara was now our coach going into season four. Um, and with him coming in was kind of this opportunity for us to really, you know, say we, we got to rebuild. There's a lot, a lot of work we have to do with the type of culture in the locker room personnel. Um, you know, we just really have to rebuild this team from scratch. And so, um, it's very much been a work in progress over the years. And, um, you know, the last couple of seasons that we've had have been certainly extremely successful. And, um, you know, you really started to learn kind of what it 
really truly takes to be a championship team. And it's, it's not just, uh, you know, good management and good drafting. It's a lot of the little, you know, intangibles that are in the locker room and the, the personnel that you have in the locker room and the character that you have in your locker room more than anything. Um, you know, you can have the most skilled hockey team in the league, but if you don't have a team that, you know, wants to do all the little things, it's really hard to win. So, um, so yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a long time coming. There's been a lot of rebuild going on, but, uh, we've certainly, certainly been nice for all the work that we have put in to have reaped the benefits in, in the last couple of seasons. Well, and I was going to say too, so you had won all those championships when you were younger and everything. And then, um, you know, now you're going through a rebuild. What, I mean, that's gotta be pretty tough to commit to, right? Cause when you're, you're talking with the coach and everything, I mean, a rebuild that's going to take several years and, you know, you had just won four games. Was it tough at all when you guys were kind of going over that and realizing what you guys would have to do to strip a team, start from the beginning? Did that affect, I wouldn't say your confidence, but like you wanting to stay with the team or continue to do this because you are, you know, you've also been an assistant captain. So clearly um, coaches relied on you for your leadership role too. And you being one of the only ones left from that for a uh, game winning season with them. So clearly you had a lot to do with it, at least from the outside looking in, it seems like it. What did you have to do mentally to prepare yourself for rebuild? I mean, that's got to be a pretty big deal, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard mentally because you, in this league, like you could very much easily ask for a trade and go somewhere else and be a part of a winning, winning team. Um, it was, I had just left the Riveters. Um, and then that third season, the Riveters ended up winning the Isabel cup. So you go from leaving the organization to then going to really what we were a dog shit organization at the time. And you're like, wow, I could have had an Isabel cup. And then I'm sitting there being like, oh, I won four games this season. You know, that's so, yeah, no, that doesn't really help your, your confidence or it doesn't really put you, you know, in a positive headspace because you're like, you know, what did I do to myself here? But, um, you know, you just, you started to, but Boston is such a, had such a, has such a good, you're in a really good position or you have a good opportunity to build a really good club here because you're surrounded by so many colleges. So there was a lot of hope, at least from, you know, mine and Dempsey side to say, you know, that college class that's coming out the next season from Northeastern BU, BC, Harvard, you know, you look at all the teams kind of right in the area, you can even pull from, you know, UConn or UNH or, um, you know, some of the closer schools, Yale. Um, and you start to say, well, if we can really, pull some of these players to come out right from college. Like we could have a very good team the next year. And, you know, year four, when, when Mara came in, we had, um, you know, a lot of new players. Um, we had a lot of players from BC. We had a lot of players from Northeastern and, um, you know, at that point you just want to retain those players. So there's been in the first couple of years of the league, it had been really hard to be a consistent team year over year because your turnover each year was, 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 was a really big high turnover rate. You would have um, my first year when I was playing for the whale, we had an unbelievable team. We went eight and zero the first part of the season. And um, that next year, all these players like were leaving in December, you know, some were retiring, some, 
you know, the life expectancy of, of play in the league in the beginning years were like one to two years, maybe. So it was really hard to re- retain this like really good organization year over year where it is in a lot of other pro leagues because, you know, the pay wasn't there or the pay was there, but it was trying to get there. And so the reason why, you know, from year four up until, you know, now we're in year seven where Boston really has had successes because we've kept a lot of those players from year four, year five that have wanted to come back year over year. And that's something that has been, it's hard to do. So you'll see kind of the better teams in the league or the more consistent teams in the league now or winning teams are teams that, you know, can have longevity of players. Um, And so that was something that was really big for us was when you got those good players, you wanted those players to stay. You didn't want those players to leave because in, in earlier years, that's how it was. It was, you know, you played a year and then you'd go somewhere else. Yeah. Hockey, one of the most superstitious sports there are. So I'll ask this question that goes against that. When you're BU Terrier and also your current number 13, what's with the number 13? Not the number you would think a superstitious yeah. sport would even have available <laughs> as a number. Yeah, it was, a, it was a family number for us. Um, so we had uh, my dad... My dad was a very big into um, European hockey and in that kind of 70s, 80s era of hockey. And he loved the Russians. And um, so we had this like childhood kid jersey, the CCCP, you know, Soviet Union jersey that was number 13. Um, And my brother, my oldest brother, Jesse Ward. And then, um, you know, when you got to pick your numbers in the locker room when you're in youth hockey and they would always hang ours up in the locker room and every kid would go in and choose their jersey nine would go seven would go 19 10 all these like you know iconic hockey numbers would be gone right away and so I'm looking around the room and I'm like you know what number to pick I'm like five years old and my dad's like you know, Jesse, my oldest brother had started to wear 13, but, and then, you know, Casey was wearing, he'd wore eight or four just cause he, you know, loved Bobby Orr and things like that. But it wasn't until like I was in the locker room and my dad's like, pick a number that no one else wants, no one else wants and make it your own. And I just had remembered that Jesse started wearing 13. So I was like, you know what? I, I like 13. I want to wear 13. And so it just became a fracking number. Like we all wore 13 whenever we could. And, um, you know, Casey sometimes started to wear eight and like, that was his number. Cause he was a big fan of like Igor Larionov. And, um, but then any chance we all got to wear it, Jesse wore it through college. I wore it through college. Casey wore it when he could through college. So, um, yeah, it became kind of the, kind of our family number. So Andrew and I, when we're preparing uh, for this episode, we decided, uh, you know, that we just wanted to keep it hockey and not not treat you as uh, a male female situation. But it is kind of inevitable because, um, and I think we should have a quick discussion about female sports. And you know, I don't. I'm sure Canada was the same as the United States. Um, my wife, when in she was in high school, she was a four-time Oklahoma State soccer champion. And, you know, but her, her thing was, you know, uh, you know, the boys would always get the recognition if they won a game and we win a championship. I know that you've kind of had to face that, but it seems like the PHF is taken off. You got the expansion teams. Um, 
Good thing, it, it seems that uh, minimum salaries are increasing. Uh, I think you guys are going to be have your own hockey cards, which is pretty darn cool. Oh, um, yeah, no, it That's is. Cool. It's going to be great. Um, but it seems like the professional, I know the WNBA have had their troubles, but it seems like this has finally taken off in hockey. And uh, I think that's a good thing, but has it, I guess we should kind of talk about obviously the bias of male sports versus female sports. And do you feel it's getting better? I mean, I know Boston loves their pride as in the team. <laughs> um, what's, what's been your experiences over the last 10 years? Yeah. Um, you know, Hockey, well, at least for me, kind of what I've realized in, in general is the sport of hockey is, is even on the men's game, right. Is far more behind, you know, is in a significant step behind than it is to football and baseball and, um, you know, basketball here, at least in the U S right. Like I grew up in Canada and the only sport on TV is hockey. No one watches the CFL and there's some lacrosse on TV box lacrosse, not even like field lacrosse. that is in here in the U S and so hockey in itself as a sport is, is a little bit farther behind in general. So women's hockey is even farther behind. So if you look at, you know, basketball, uh, WNBA, finally in their 20 some odd season, right. Their, their, uh, their last CBA that they, that they, um, kind of settled on was, was kind of the best that they've ever had, right. Where these players are, you know, making an average salary of like 120 and it's their minimum in pay as a rookie is at least 70, you know, 70 K. So, and you have a player inked into like a rookie contract for a couple of years. So they have maternity leave benefits. I mean, they have, you know, significant stuff inked into their CBA, but that took them 20 some odd years. And, you know, women's hockey has had, you know, it's run of, certain leagues, right. That have come and gone. And, and that's just been kind of the nature of it because it's trying to find something to stick, but, and I've been a part of, of some of those. So now to really see that, you know, a part of this league, the, the PHF that it's, it's sticking and it's taking off and, you know, you're getting bigger sponsors, you're getting like our deal with ESPN plus, which was really big um, for our games this season. So um, yeah, it takes time and it's, it's kind of, I think this is a really good time in general for women's sports, um, not just hockey. Like you'll see with the NWSL with their CBA that they just inked. Like there's some good stuff happening across the board for for women's sports. Um, but yeah, hockey is um, it's been this like roller coaster of ebbs and flows. And um, you know, I really truly think that this league has is is sticking has been through a lot. Like I was you know, in the league where there was a divide in what was a year just had had year four and we were going into year five. And, um, a lot of players left and didn't want to play in the league to start the PH or they started the PWHPA. And, um, you know, that was going to be this new league. And it was like, we just worked so hard to build a league and we were actually getting paid money. And now in season five, like you're everyone. I'm like, like I said, the WNBA is in their 20 some odd season. Like, you know, it takes time. It's not something that's just going to necessarily happen overnight. So um, I think that the strides that we have made and continue to make and seeing some of the stuff that's coming in for contract eight, as that's starting to develop, like, you know, there's some, um, 
some promising things that are going to make some big strides for players. And like you had mentioned, the minimum salary, the average salary of players, just the salary cap growing by 150% in general, like that's, that's really starting to move the needle um, to truly kind of try and get us to that point where women can do this as a full-time job. Yeah. Has, has uh, some sort of affiliation with an NHL team been very helpful to the league? I know that the majority do have some sort of a, a affiliation and somehow I'm not exactly sure what that is, but has that helped or is that just a publicity thing? No, it, it certainly helps to have any support and affiliation. Um, absolutely. You know, we, we have, uh, you know, a, a good support system or a partnership with, with the Bruins, like us in particular, and I can't speak for the other teams, but I, I do know like Minnesota and, you know, the devils and, um, the riveters and, you know, every team kind of has this partnership with their NHL team and whether it's formal or not formal, or, you know, um, if, but I think they can be amplified. I think they can be bigger. I think they can be stronger. I think there's still a long way to go with these partnerships um, and what the partnerships look like and what they mean. And um, maybe the, the financial kind of the financial side that comes with it, or um, you know, the, there's, there's a lot more to it than just a, Hey, we have a partnership and affiliation with a team. So um, I think we're in a good place, but I think there is a long way to go with what those partnerships can look like. And, you know, in my opinion should look like, um, but you know, it's, it's definitely a start to have um, you know, that support from, from your kind of male counterparts. Well, yeah. And I was about to say too, I know that it's the cesspool of the internet that we're talking about here, but a lot of the comments I always see is, well, you know, women's hockey needs demand. They need people that are interested. And I find that to be quite bullshit because there's plenty of people interested. And I just read the other day, uh, the numbers for the U S and Canada women's matchup was what three and a half, four million people tuned in. And I mean, that right there just shows the interest in it. And I think at this point, it's just, getting the word out because I feel like everybody knows about the WNBA, especially just because the NBA and everybody are already way ahead as hockey as the NHL, as you mentioned, but um, now we're starting to see it um, in women's hockey and then now the PHF. So between the rebranding and everything as well, I mean, do you, are you surprised at the amount of people that are now interested? Or are you like, yeah, it's about time people recognize that, you know, we're just as important. I mean, it's a pro sport. Yeah, well, definitely it's about time, but it's like, welcome to, you know, 2022, whatever year we're in. It's like, yeah, yeah, I mean, women's sports have been around for a long time and it's, you know, good. It's really good hockey. And yeah, the, the amount of viewerships that are tuning into games are insane. Even the NWHL or, you know, PHF, um, sorry, I always keep saying NWHL, but um, it's ingrained into my skull for the last <laughs> couple of years, but even the viewership of what we had on Twitch, you know, that really led us to get our deal with ESPN. There's, you know, millions of people tuning in via Twitch to watch our games and watch Isabel cup final and watch all these games and the viewership that we had, um, when we were on NBC sports, um, that, you know, helped kind of propel us into kind of our deal now with ESPN. So it's kind of, you start to question, you know, is it the chicken or the egg when it's like the demands there? So, you know, when is the other stuff going to come? Um, and that's when I'm talking about, you know, 
television deals and, and, and sponsorships. So, you know, it's, uh, you kind of get back to that question where the demand's there. So when are we going to meet that demand? And I think we're on the precipice of hitting that. And um, I think the, this past Olympics kind of really just nailed that in the coffin that there's absolutely a demand there. So it's like, now how do we fulfill that demand? So um, I think right now is a super interesting time this off season of what it will be like for women's hockey as a whole um, and kind of what goes on in, in, the type of sponsors that really want to start to get involved. But, um, I think every other female sport has helped, um, in some manner kind of push women's hockey along. Probably women's hockey will probably achieve the same things that then WNBA have and the NWSL have, um, at a quicker rate, just because of what those other sport, uh, women's sports have gone through. So, um, you know, all women, athletes or female athletes and leagues are kind of in the same boat. And so, um, you know, I'm thankful for the WNBA and the NWSL and other women's sports, women's golf, women's tennis, every other kind of sport that's helped, at least it's going to help push women's hockey at a quicker rate. Um, you know, I, I would hope, but it's, it seems like it's trending in that direction. So, so a lot of our guests, you know, will ask, okay, so who are your, uh, well, who, who are your, the legends that, that you looked up to growing up. And then of course, who were your mentors during your career? Um, you're a little bit different because you're actually a trailblazer, which we've been talking about because women's uh, professional hockey has not been around as long. And, and again, not to make you feel old, she's going to hate us no. you're talking about this, but, <laughs> but it's like, I'm pretty darn sure that, you know, you're, you've been a mentor for a lot of uh, females coming into the professional hockey uh, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that you, you get approached a lot by young girls who, uh, who look up to you and you're suddenly a role model before the age of 30. I mean, that's a, a lot of responsibility. How are you handling that? Yeah. Um, you know, it's, I, I love, I love mentoring and helping, um, that kind of, the younger, the younger generation, the younger girls, um, you know, I coach a high school team. So I coach Weymouth high, um, and seeing all those young players in high school, um, you know, our freshman to senior class, like just mentoring those girls, a lot of them are choosing like where they want to go to college. And they're kind of going through the same stuff that I went through. It dates me. It makes me feel super old, but it's, I know how important, what a crucial time it is for players at that age and, and women, just girls at that age. So, um, that's something that I've always, you know, really enjoyed in my time of when I turned pro to, you know, now, um, and giving back to the game and helping, um, grow the game. You know, I'm, I got like a, a phone call from a cousin of mine from back home and his, you know, my younger cousins are playing hockey and they had a girl on their team and she's like the only girl. And my cousin's like, you know, will you talk to this girl because she has an interest in going to play college hockey. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So I remember getting on a zoom call and having a conversation with this, you know, girl and her, her mother and helping, you know, guide them and give them advice on kind of the path of, cause she wanted to go get it. She wanted to get an NCAA scholarship and kind of what the path was there to try and play pro hockey. So, you know, you have those conversations all the time with people, but it's certainly kind of really the most rewarding thing about, um, you know, being able to give back and, and hopefully give advice on some of the regrets I have or decisions that I made that I probably shouldn't have made. And, um, you know, hopefully those players can learn from that. And, um, you know, it's, 
the the women's uh the women's game has a really bright future and a lot of younger players growing up certainly have a lot more resources and a lot more you know female coaches and female role models um to to have that I you know I never had so um you know it's it's certainly uh it's gratifying and rewarding rewarding to 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 help that kind of group of people and so I assume that that kind of helped propelled you to and I had just noticed this and I wanted to mention before I forgot we you know, go into our last part of our interview, but 2018, 2019, I, I noticed you can correct me if I'm wrong. Elite prospects is no is right. Assistant coach for Nichols college. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. So how did that start? And is coaching or, or something in that realm going to be part of your career after playing? Yeah, I, um, I, co- yeah, so I coached at Nichols uh, that season. Um, you know, I've really hit like a, a crossroads in, um, coaching and playing is so hard to do at the same time. Like you can't enter in, you can't be a college coach while you're playing. Like it's like impossible. Um, and so, or you can't, you know, it's really hard to, to do things full time on, you know, the coaching side or the advising side or whatever it may be, um, while you're playing. So, um, it's, and I say a crossroads because there's so many times where I've hit that while I've been in my pro career, where it's like, is now the time where I transition into that? Or, cause I've always been so passionate about, um, you know, coaching has definitely something where it's, you know, an individual skills coach or a college coach, or it's always been a kind of an interest or passion of mine. Um, and kind of thought that that's what I was going to be doing full-time when I, when I was done playing hockey. Um, but every year it's like hockey's still continuing. So it's like when it, when is that going to happen? When is that transition going to happen? Is it ever going to happen? Um, so I've, you know, I made the decision that I wanted to be playing hockey as long as I could. And, um, I want to be on the playing side because the coaching side is always there. Um, and the playing side isn't always there. So, um, and that's something that like, kind of my, my dad had had always said to me was, you know, play as long as you can and coaching will always be there. So, Um, I also am, I have a full-time job too. I I do marketing, so I wear many hats, (laughs) Um, so I have many passions and I wear many hats. So, um, you know, it's, it's safe to say though, that coaching, um, in that side of the game will always be a part of what I do, whether that is as a full-time career or just as a passion, like I do now with helping out with a high school team. So, um, you know, TBD to be continued on, on whether becomes a full-time career, but, uh, you know, playing is kind of my, my, uh, number one thing right now. Well, geez, between Casey and her, it's like the Frackians, man, they're go-getters. Well, Never yeah. taking a break. There's an older Ever. brother too. Maybe we should be interviewing the older brother next. We'll just do the whole Fracking family. family. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So, um, one thing I want to mention in, in our condolences, uh, to you, you just, um, lost your dad. Uh, I think it was back in November. Um, and you have on your uh, social media, you have a donation uh, in his name to Hero Hockey, which is hockey education reaching and uh, reaching out society. So tell us a little bit about that because it's a great, great organization. Uh, Heroes is a program um, that started in Vancouver. Um, and I got actually introduced to them through uh, my brothers. My brothers had started um, working um at uh, their summer camps. They would have a summer camp in on the east side of Vancouver. And it would kind of be, it started out uh, being a kind of a resource to inner city kids um, in Vancouver to give them a 
kind of the, the resources and opportunity to learn how to play hockey. Um, and so Jesse and Casey were old, you know, they were a little bit older than I were. So when they started to help out in, in high school, um, and then when I got to, you know, a, an appropriate age, I was like, I want to be involved too. And so the first summer I spent there, you kind of, you know, you're, you have kids of all ages, kids of all, um, you know, coming from different backgrounds and in all different kinds of things. And, um, but you could see that the biggest thing for them is that the minute they were on the ice, whether they could stand up or not, like they're learning hockey straight from scratch at all different kinds of ages. And, um, you know, just how hockey was really bringing them together and, and being, a, an outlet for a lot of these kids, just with the type of upbringing a lot of them had. And, um, so it kind of really became something that I love doing and I did it every summer. Um, I would work with their program. And so I started that in high school. Um, and then I got to a point where when I was heading off to school, I still really wanted to be involved with, with heroes and heroes was growing too. um, Norm and Kevin, who are the two guys that kind of run that, um, they expanded, um, heroes. So now it's all across Canada. They have programs in Dublin and some overseas. And so they've really, um, kind of grown the outreach that they have as a whole. So I wanted to stay involved with them and I became an ambassador for, for heroes and, um, have done, you know, they've come out here to, to work with score Boston. Um, they do stuff for like Willie O'Ree day. And, um, so anytime that they're out here, I, I try to get together with a lot of the kids and, um, it's just such a cool program that really started, um, actually, cause my, my dad had, um, Barb Edelbaum, who was a power skating coach for us. She's a co-founder, um, at heroes. And, um, Barb had mentioned to my dad, like that one morning at like 6am power skating and was like, you know, the kids should come out to heroes. And, um, you know, that was something that my dad thought that was so important that we do because we were given every opportunity possible to have every resource, every lesson, every, top end stick, every gear that you could imagine, you know, just really fortunate that my parents could afford to do that for all three kids. And, you know, there's many, many kids out there that don't have the same opportunities whatsoever. So it was so important to him that we be involved in that. And, um, it was something that I had a blast doing and, um, the kids are so awesome. And it's, it's, a it's a really special program. So, um, when he passed, uh, we were trying to find a, a charity that really resonated with him and, my dad was a very accomplished guy and, um, we figured that heroes would have been a great fit just cause, um, you know, he cared so much about us playing hockey and, um, opened a lot of opportunities for us. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of how that all happened. Yeah. And it, I think it's so important because, uh, I mean, out here in Tulsa, hockey is actually picking up. I mean, we've always had our ECHL Tulsa Oilers here, but hockey is, uh, uh picking up here. But I think part of the reason um, in sort of non-hockey states like Oklahoma. It's just the reason, uh, you know, I go back to my youth hockey days. It's an expensive sport. Equipment is so much money. It's not like a pair of cleats and a soccer ball and, a, you know, and some shin guards. So I think it's a, a very, very important and hopefully it continues to spread, um, you know, uh, like you said, not just Canada and, and elsewhere, but even the United States, because I think people, uh, if they could play the sport, did fall in love with it. So, yeah. you know, anyway, my, my two cents. Anyway, so we're going to end with lightning round. So we appreciate your time. This could just be uh, a name, 
if there's a story, feel free to tell a story, but you don't feel bad if we ask you a question, you just give a name. All right, put you on the spot. Yeah, we're going to put you on the spot. Oh, God. Okay. okay, you want to start? Okay, go ahead. You, it can go back to your U18 days. It doesn't matter, pro hockey. But, but, but uh, not below you, the U18 turn. Right. Okay. Worst ice conditions you've ever played in. Yeah. Or which arena had the worst ice conditions? Oh. Oh, this is, am I supposed to answer this quickly? Yeah, it's lightning round. Yeah. Don't sure, worry. Don't, don't, don't worry. We do this with every guest. Um, Jason, I, it stupid helps. <laughs> um, worst ice conditions. I was in... So when I was in Germany with, uh, with team Canada, we were playing an exhibition game and, uh, before the tournament. And so we were at this rank offsite, like it wasn't at the tournament rank. It was at like some, it was like a youth half pretty well outdoor rink in the middle of Germany where the fans were in there, they were smoking, they had, they were like drinking, like it, it, you felt like you were at like a soccer match, but it was like an outdoor rink and the ice conditions were atrocious. There was like, um, like big, uh, like, like droplets coming from the ceiling, but they were like creating like these like bumps on the ice. So it like, it almost was like curling ice out there. Um, so yeah, that would by far be the worst conditions, just rink and ice in general. So toughest goalie to score against. Oh, um, We should have like the Jeopardy theme. Yeah, we should. I know you should. <laughs> uh, I honestly, I don't know. I'll have to get back to you on that one. <laughs> I'm like, pass on that one. Go ahead. <laughs> Which arena had the worst locker rooms? Oh, yeah. Worst locker rooms. Oh. Um, yeah, there's some pretty bad ones out there. Um, I would say there was a rink back home that people would know it's uh it's a rink in maple ridge british columbia and uh if anyone's from around there they'll they'll definitely know what rink <laughs> okay um the toughest player to clear the front of the net who is the player that gave you the most trouble clearing the front of the net um hillary knight huge yeah yeah, she's definitely a hard one to move out in front of the net. Say, with all those pins, I don't think she had trouble moving too many people out. In front of the net. <laughs> um, which which player was the toughest to play against? I know we kind of said in front of the net, but who just gave you trouble? Who, who is the rat? And you can't and you can't rat? say you're the rat. It's got to be someone else. Yeah. Remember, she's like the goon of the team. I know. So who who always gave you a hard time, but didn't want to? You know. Yeah, who is just the rat? Could get under your skin all the time. Oh. Um, I would say just cause they were like a shit disturber or because they were yeah. like, yeah, they were chirping, they're cheap, you know, but they always found you. They wanted to go after you. Was yeah. there anybody like that? Uh, I'll say, I'll say Madison Packer. Okay. It's a little tough cause she's still playing. So she I know she doesn't, you know, she doesn't want to give an edge to the, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, my turn? Yeah, it's your turn. Okay, so this is the best question we ask. What is the most embarrassing or craziest thing to happen to you during a game or warm-up? On the ice. On the ice. During a game? Um, well, I've, I've scored on my own net, so. 
that's that's pretty that, embarrassing. That's pretty yeah. embarrassing. It's not it's not the worst we've heard, but that's no. Good. Yeah. Yeah. When, I mean, when that happens, what goes through your head? Did the goalie say something to you, or is it just like we're just going to? I'm sure she said something to the goalie. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's one of those where you're like, we're just we're not going to talk about it. <laughs> I mean, did you shoot it, or was it just a deflection? It was a screen, and it went off of you and went in, or I went how- to clear. I went to clear the puck into the corner, and I just threw it on our net. So. It's that's like a clear, bad. like a clear goal on your own net. That's that's pretty bad. So, I got so, a point for it. So you apologize yeah. to the goalie. Now you go back to the bench. Now what? Don't talk about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. you're just royally embarrassed. Like it's so embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. Now, do the players kind of support you, or they just rub it in? Like, hey, hell of a shot. No, it, it's worse because they're like, oh, good, then it's okay for Addy. It's okay, and I'm like, that makes it worse. Just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's all just laugh about it and be like, you suck instead of just like, oh, it's okay. I'm like, no, it's not okay. No, just score on our own. Don't tell me that. <laughs> so this one is a to be continued. And 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 I know uh, you've had an interesting in the bubble last season. You guys win the um, the the cup and all of that. Um, but so far, maybe besides that, what has been your favorite hockey memory up to this point? Um. Favorite, uh, favorite memory would be winning the Isabel Cup. Awesome. Definitely. It's, uh, I was going to say close second would be winning um, my senior year when we won Hockey East, but um, no, winning the Isabel Cup was, was, uh, was the coolest, absolutely coolest experience. And, and we're a little over, but I do want to ask this. So, you know, no one was in the rink because of COVID, um, but when you guys finally got to celebrate, was it worth it? Cause it was sort of delayed, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was delayed and um, it kind of was a shitty for a bit because we um, only could celebrate in small groups. So when we went to like the Red Sox game or the Celtics or the Bruins game, we were all in like small pods for celebrating. So when we finally got to kind of have a true team celebration, um, it, that celebration went on for, for a long time, but, um, it, it went on for, yeah, a couple months in the off season, but it, it was, it was really fun just to, for the times that we really did get to be together. Yeah. And your season, uh, playoffs are going to be starting pretty soon. When? Um, March 24th weekend. Okay. And you guys, I think are in third at the moment. Yeah. So uh, what what do you what are you feeling going into the playoffs here? You guys are going to have another good run. Is the team team going to be there? Putting yeah, the we have. Um, no, 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 it's okay. Um, <laughs> we're we're about to play four weekends on the road, so I think this will be a a really good test for us. Um, but also good kind of bonding of next four weeks. I think that's actually going to really help us for for on ice performance. Um, we haven't spent any time really on the road this season, so. Um, you know, a lot of our games have been at home. So, um, I feel like you just kind of a different style of togetherness when you're on the road. So hoping that we can have some success on the ice, but off the ice and then carry that through to playoffs. So, um, I think we're in a good place where we have a couple, the other teams have a couple games in hand. So, um, I think if we, we win out, we could potentially finish in second, um, Toronto's too far ahead in first. So I don't think we have a chance there, but, um, we have a chance to finish in second, which would probably put us in a really good spot for, for playoffs. Well, we're going to 
continue to follow and wish you the best. We'll say goodbye off here real quick, but officially, we can't thank you enough. You've been a great guest yes. and very uh, generous of your time. Thank you. We thank you very much. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me. Okay, Andrew. Forgot to mention, it is Women's History Month. Unintentional, but so glad to have our first female guest on. Pretty cool. Well, yeah, and, and I think we made her feel, I mean, she's only like 29, but I think I made her feel old. because well, we're keep, talking to her like we're talking to like, our 45-year-old, you know, yeah, but NHL star. But now guest. you just mentioned Women's History Month, like she's 20. But, like we said. She's making history, she knows. Uh, yeah, and, you know, like I said, I think, I think women's hockey is going to continue to take off. And uh, I think it's going to be very successful. And I think even uh, adding the Montreal is going to help with the Canadian um, um, audience as well, because they only got Toronto at the moment. So we want to, uh, you know, have everybody, if you haven't tuned into a game, ESPN Plus, the league has a, a deal with them. Um, and uh, we wish all of the professional hockey leagues, because, you know, even some East Coast leagues sometimes struggle to, uh, you know, remain a franchise, yep. but it seems that particularly the Boston Pride, uh, I'm so proud of them, uh, just being a Bostonian myself, and, uh, and they're very supportive, but she's had a heck of a career, she still has a career of her. she's only 29, yep. and uh, we were glad to have her on, and we wish her the best of luck. Absolutely. And we appreciate everybody again tuning in. We hope you enjoyed it. And uh, go Bruins. Yeah, go Bruins. And go Boston Pride. Go Boston Pride, baby. Mm -hmm.